Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Avedir Show. This is, of course, Mike Avedir. Today is Thursday, April 20th in the year 2023. Coming off of a day where the United States men's national team continued their unbeaten streak against Mexico. They tied that game over in Glendale, Arizona in front of 60,000 people last night. Ended up being a very exciting game. Ended in a draw. And so they have not lost to Mexico in some time now. We're also looking at a lot of NBA Clippers rule. Kawhi Leonard out against the Suns. That's looking to be a really good series. The Kings, my mighty Kings, are maybe uh, going to put the, the Warriors on the ropes if they could get one more tonight and go up an insurmountable three games to love. We'll see how that goes. The Diamondbacks designate for assignment struggling Madison Bumgarner. So that probably shows that he's close to the end. So many places that we could talk about, but I'm going to actually start with my man, Pop DiBiase's prediction on this show not very long ago, maybe three, four episodes ago, and I think we even talked about it more recently. I think he knows what I'm talking about because it involves the Bay Area. Sad news for Oakland sports fans because we already saw the Warriors get yanked out of Oaktown to go across the bay to San Francisco we saw the Raiders get yanked out by Mark Davis out of state to Nevada now we see the Oakland A's they've agreed to purchase acre upon acre of land in Las Vegas that is to be used for development to build a new ballpark that will be ready in 2027. Pop, you called it, man. You nailed this one about Las Vegas. Well, that what the A's was on the way? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and then I had then I dialed it back a little bit as well, too. You remember that, Mike? That I was like, you know, it's they're probably coming because it makes a lot of factual sense that they'll be there, you know, because they literally saw the money that the Raiders made the moment that they stepped into Vegas and they they wanted they wanted a piece of that as well, too. And all those years of going back and forth with the city of Oakland on can they build them a stadium? Can they do this? Can they do that? And the city of Oakland kept making promises, but no solutions. Well, Mike, we've had this talk before, and we know this is a sports show and everything like that, but we know the 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 budget of the city of Oakland. I have a lot of family members in the city of Oakland, and um, Oakland has been a, a broken city for 40 years, bro. It's another city that once factories and things like that left that city, then literally the, the central resource of money left as well, too. So there's a lot of just, you know, people that just live there. And it's like 
the Dodgers being in Brooklyn in nineteen in the nineteen fifties. It's just not a functional situation anymore for the A's, for the Do- for the uh, Raiders or the Warriors. But the Warriors always had plans of going back to San Francisco. They literally kicked the Warriors out of San Francisco. Um, from what the stories tell you, but then they welcomed them back when they started winning some actual games. Um, I think that the A's moving to Vegas is uh, is is all financial. They're getting a good deal on some land, but we remember Al Davis bought some land too, uh, Mike, and we all know how that worked out. I want to see a stadium get built first, and I'm going to keep it dead honest with you. The city of Vegas isn't paying for that stadium. So do you know the A's owner's name? I always forget it, but whatever his name is, he better figure out who's going to loan him that $1.5 billion. I know that – and I don't know if Oakland's credit is is too good right now with the way that they're selling tickets. So, you know, you go up in a bank, I don't know if they're going to be too excited about giving you any money. And my biggest thing is, is like, does Oakland know that they can't go to Vegas and be uh, a team that fields the best minor league prospects and tries to think that they can win eight, 90 to 100 games with that with that idea? Nah, you're going to have to bring in actual stars and actual big-time players to actually sell tickets. Baseball is a different animal. It truly is. When you're winning in baseball, everybody shows up. When you're losing, nobody, nobody even cares that you exist. And in a, a new sports city like Vegas, you got to win right away. Because if you don't win right away, they can say whatever they want about, we're going to show up and support the team. They ain't going to show up and support the team. Because if they really showed up and supported the team every weekend and week out, wouldn't UNLV basketball, UNLV football have sellouts every single time they step on the floor or on the field? Regardless of them winning or losing, yeah, absolutely. But you no, know what? Oh, you know that those and I've been I've watched UNLV games on TV. You could probably say at sometimes they got a thousand people at a conference football game, Mike. A conference football game, bro. Division one. I, I saw more people at my at at a city college game than I've seen at UNLV games sometimes. So, Vegas, I love you, but. You guys are going to have to understand now that you're a sports town, you're going to have to figure out what your image truly is now. Are you a gambling city? Are you a, a party city? Are you a sports city? What are you going to be? Because you have all the elements to where a guy can ruin his whole career. And I truly do feel like Vegas is making more of a change into the corporate direction in those days of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas are coming to a screeching halt, Mr. Abadir. Well, first of all, you were, you are mentioning the A's ownership. Uh, it's led by John Fisher. And I think, I think the reason that Fisher is doing this is so that he could do exactly what it is you're talking about them not doing, which is, I think he's tired of, of them hosting a minor league team so now that they're going to have this financial commitment to las vegas and vegas can be committed to them see the one thing about being associated with las vegas and the strip is you always have enough high profile guests coming in not high profile whales in terms in in gambling terms whale clients that come into each of these casinos 
you know, and so the casinos will buy a lot of the tickets to give them away to their heavy hitters. So Raiders and the A's are always going to be sold out is what I'm projecting. That's what I see, especially because people want to see the new ballpark. And so for the first few years, there's going to be a lot of money. I think now the goal for the A's between now and then is to now start building a competitive team. So that way when they get there, they're a playoff team right out of the gate. It capitalized on all that momentum. I, and I think that's what's going to happen because the A's, even though they're talked about as a minor league system, and they are, they're a good minor league system, right? It's one thing to be a terrible minor league system, and it's another thing to be a good one where you're producing contributors and all-stars. And the A's, for the large part, have have done that. I mean, look at even their most two recent um, big-time losses. Well, I guess the last three. Greg, uh, sorry, Matt Olson last year and Chapman last year and Simeon the year before. I mean, these are all like mega baseball players. You know, uh, Simeon now didn't come up through the A's because he came up through the White Sox system. But nonetheless, those are three players recently that uh, if the team had them right now, they'd be winning some games, Pop. So they have the ability to bring up legitimate superstar caliber baseball players through the organization. Their scouts are second to none. What Billy Bean installed in that organization is a winning scouting eye is what I say. Not necessarily a winning team, but a winning scouting eye. Now that you know that revenue is going to come in, you're not going to have 2,500 people at the stadium like they've had recently. Now you could invest some dollars into the team. You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, Mike, I know you 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 being a good business, you got a, a a strong, you know, belief in you know the A's being able to really make some money in Vegas. But I think that if they're not winning right away, it's not it. it they're not going to be showing up every night. You know what I mean? Because this is baseball. And I think that they're going to show up what is tied. I don't know if they're going to be showing up doing sellouts for the Royals. You know what I mean? I don't know if you're going to be getting sellouts for when the Rays come to town. You know what I mean? So, you know, um, I just I, – I, but I'm happy for them because they finally get what they wanted. I've been looking at this thing for 15 years with, with the A's trying to find a stadium in the Bay Area. Fremont was a, was a, at one point – um, they were very strong on Fremont. Fremont was, I thought, was a done deal about 10 years ago. And then when they went over to by Jack Lynn said, okay, we're going to put the stadium over by Jack Lynn Square. I said, oh, my God, that's amazing. That's beautiful. It's in downtown Oakland. It's not, you know, because everybody has to understand the Coliseum's not even in actual Oakland. It's in Alameda. You know what I mean? So pretty much – if you would have been able to put that 30,000 stadium, that 30,000 seater in the heart of Oakland, I think that would have been a big, big, big move. I think you could have made more money with that stadium, but I think that was more of a dream than anything. They do. They wanted to have a waterfront. They wanted to do all this extra stuff. And I just really feel like Oakland knows that the A's are kind of full of, full of uh, manure, bro. And they know that they really don't have the capital to do all the stuff that they want to do. And they're going to really try to depend on the city to pay for it. 
in Vegas, I know what the, what the A's are truly doing right now. They're probably not going to ask the city to pay for it, but one of these big casino corporations will probably buy into the A's and eventually overtake the A's as well, too. So then they can make sure that they they have the ownership to uh, that baseball team. And once again, that will be another conflict of interest, in my opinion. But, you know, this is the this is the cards we've been dealt. And but, now but let me ju- let me jump in for a second, Pop, because you've made a lot of interesting points and I don't want to um, go on to many more points before I address some of these. You were talking about Jack London Square and Fremont. Now, I'm just going to take a wild guess here. Actually, it's more than a wild guess. I have some information. <laughs> uh, the Bay Area, obviously, is not strong enough sports-wise, to carry two teams in each sport. It's not New York. It's not L.A. The experiment is over. The second thing, when you're talking about Jack London Square, see, ticket sales are great, and you want them, but where the teams really make their money ticket-wise is on corporate sponsors. Now, I thought... I. Would have thought that the Silicon Valley has enough money to be able to support two teams in terms of corporate sponsorships, uh, in terms of luxury suite sales, right? That's what really fills the stadium with mega bucks. You have all the luxury seats filled up. Uh, that's what they have their ticket department. Their best ticket salespeople are the ones that are focused on selling luxury suites, season tickets etc and i think the reality of it pop is that there's a lot of people just don't want to come into oakland a lot of the wealthy people a lot of the people that would spend money on the team just don't want to go into oakland i think that's a sad truth of it Uh, you could read into that as to why right but i don't want to get into that i'm just saying the cold hard truth now i would have thought that fremont would have worked because then you're really appealing to San Jose, Silicon Valley area a lot more. But again, I think maybe when they looked at the cost of land, and now you have another component besides corporate sponsorships, besides luxury suites, you got the last component, which is television rights. And I just don't think that the Bay Area had enough television rating wise to be able to support two teams to split that money in half it wouldn't work. Now they go to Vegas, they don't have to compete with anybody. On luxury suites, on corporate sponsors, on television rights, they're going to have the TV rights from Utah, throughout Nevada, and maybe even to parts of Southern California. So that's kind of a big winner for the A's, in my opinion. That's kind of my take on it, Pop. Right, but you know, at the same time, you got to be a good. You got to be good for them to want to really. But you're right, though, Utah. But I would think that Utah has actually been kind of sold up by the Dodgers a little bit because they have had uh, minor league affiliated teams uh, in Salt Lake City as well. So you know, I know that they have a lot of say in um, Utah because they even had a team down in Ogden as well too for a moment. And, um, you know, but 
that is good. You got you got those little rocky areas and things like that. And you know, it does kind of, it's kind of a sad day when you start seeing that teams are leaving the state of California just like people are leaving the state of California. And it's funny because it seems like all the people that all the like kind of really poor franchises, the teams that were kind of cash poor when they were in California, they're all going to Vegas. And it's like people in California, people that got a little cash poor, but they made a little bit of money for themselves. And, you know, they got a good little opportunity out in Vegas. They went ahead and jumped all over it. You know what I mean? And I feel like, all right, maybe Cali's just a bit too much for you. You know what I mean? At the end of the day. So, you know, hopefully they that's a really go. interesting point. It does mirror society, huh? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's like, you know, when enough is enough and you feel like ain't nobody, loving you as much as they should be loving you. Now I got to run over here to Vegas and feel like I got all these brand new friends, but those friends are only going to be around is if you're giving stuff away and is if you win in games, man. And if you know, cause nobody wants to really support a loser. So the A's, like you said, they're going to have to really make a forthright decision on how they're going to put this team together. But honestly, if I owned the A's, Vegas wouldn't have been my first option because I know I could have got more money from another city. I know I could I know I could have got the city of San Antonio to pay for a stadium. I know I could have got the city of Nashville to pay for a stadium. The in Vegas is looking up at the, the A's like, bro, we're trying to put up five new hotels right now. I don't know if we we can. I don't know about this baseball state. If our people want to put it, put in on this baseball stadium with you guys, stop acting like uh, everybody done hit uh, uh, some type of oil uh, rig out there in Vegas because that's not true at all. You know what I mean? These people are not are not mo- a 70 percent of that population is not rich. You know what I mean? They they're just they they they're not poor, but they're not rich. You know what I mean? And so you have to understand the market that you're in as well, too. And I know that you're trying to feed it into the tourists and all that good stuff. But eventually, you know, you got to understand that you're going to have to win games. It's just that simple. I think that it's been good for the Aces and the Knights because they're in sports that aren't as popular. But the Raiders are a very – are the – the, the Raiders are starting to lose a little love out there because people are getting tired of, of the stage show games that they have every weekend. You know what I mean? And then the fact that for the first time ever, Raider fans are getting are really getting drowned out by actual other fans. And that's, that's stupid to me. That's absolutely an embarrassment to the franchise, in my opinion, Mike. You know what I mean? And Al Davis wouldn't have any of that. If he would have, you know, it, it took five minutes for him to see all, to hear all that, and he probably would have put a block on uh, selling tickets to opposing fans. Like, we can only send, like, y- y'all can only buy 4000 You know what I mean? That's what, what type of stuff he would have done. But knowing how people hustle, they'll be selling them tickets anyway. So it's going to happen. So we'll see how it goes, Mike. You're you're absolutely right. And one more thing I'm going to mention, which is that in Las Vegas, you know, you're going to have the novelty act. And like you said, you're going to have to win because that's going to wear off. Novelty act is a new team. There's a new stadium, new ballpark, et cetera. But there's one other point I wanted to mention, which is, see, I know that, I, I agree with you that the Raiders act is getting tired. It's getting old. 
and uh, especially too, you know, you got rid of a very popular quarterback, etc. The the thing with the Raiders that's different than the A's though is the Raiders actually have a lot of people from Oakland that go to Las Vegas five, six, seven, eight times a year. So they have a lot of loyal fans that still will make that road trip because it's fun, right? And you only have to do it a few times in the fall and uh and, and you you follow your team out there. I don't think they're get, the A's are getting that kind of love. I don't think there's a lot of people that are gonna be flying from Oakland to go to A's games in Las Vegas. You know what I mean? So a little bit of a different situation. Pop, let's take a quick commercial timeout right now. We'll come back with more of this and talk a little bit about Max Scherzer's 10-game suspension. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back right after this. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Brooklyn hosting the Philadelphia 76ers. That's going to be tipping off in just a few short minutes here. And then tonight we got the Clippers hosting the Phoenix Suns. A lot of good series popping basketball. This is the time of year where I do get a little bit more into the NBA, um, you know, because of these variety of series that are compelling. You know, I'm really enjoying the Kings and the Warriors for a whole host of reasons. Obviously, I'm a supporter of the Kings, and I, I like to see them win. But I think it's really kind of a coming out party on a national level for De'Aaron Fox. Now, you've been on him 
since Kentucky. I mean, you've, you've known that he's going to be, you know, upper echelon. But we, what we didn't know, we hadn't seen it, so we couldn't know how would he perform in clutch time in the playoffs. So far, so good, man. I'm, I'm really liking what I'm seeing, not just from him, but from this team. What are your thoughts? Um, you know what? I'm not really surprised by anything that they're doing in this playoff. I'm just glad that they're able to have the rest of the nation finally see exactly who they are. And I've been seeing this team coming coming for the last three years. It's just they didn't have any organization at the top when it came to the head coach. And I thought Luke Walden would probably be the the coach that brought them to this point right here. But in reality, the coach that brought them to this point was the right coach, Mike Brown. Mike Brown is a coach that has been with of some very successful teams. He was, a, he was with uh, Pop and the Spurs for a bit. He was also with the Indiana Pacers when they did the Malice and the Palace. We all know that the Pacers, if you, they don't have the Malice and the Palace, they played in the, they, they would be playing in the NBA Finals that season. They were, to me, the best team in the Eastern Conference that year until that situation occurred. And Mike Brown was the guy that pulled Ron Artest out of the crowd. So he, to me, has had an amazing NBA life. And I think that he got the short end of the stick because he had to coach Really great players. He had to coach LeBron, and he had to coach Kobe. LeBron was really young and really immature at the time when he was getting coached by Mike Brown, so he didn't really develop the right type of relationship that you're supposed to have. I would have thought Mike Brown and LeBron would have been together like Popovich and Duncan, but it just wasn't meant to be. And then he got to L.A., and he seemed like he was a breath of fresh – he was a he was a – fresh voice after the Phil Jackson era. He had some great success in Cleveland, and it seemed like he knew how to manage the stars and then manage the other players as well, too. Well, he did pretty good in the strikeout season, in the strike-shortened season, but that wasn't enough because he just didn't have the, the, the guys at the end of the day when it came down to it. The Lakers didn't have a great roster. And then the next season, Kobe comes back out, and literally five games into the season, Kobe's like, I don't like this guy. I wanted Mike D'Antoni as the coach, and he's gone. And I've always felt like they didn't give Mike enough of a chance to actually be the Lakers' head coach in a full season. So he has to go back into the assistant coach uh, realm of things. And that pretty much, you know, he, he could have just said, you know what, I'm good just being here with the Warriors and just wait until that whole thing is over with. But he took on the he took on what I felt – was the best job for any coach for a team that's trying to be better. And that was the Kings. You know what I mean? And I felt like whoever, and I knew the Kings were going to get a bit, a good hire because De'Aaron Fox has played so well over the years. But the thing that helped De'Aaron Fox was adding Sabonis. And it's crazy because they got rid of Halliburton and healed for Sabonis. And Sabonis was exactly what, De'Aaron needed to become a perennial player in this league, not just a guy with a whole lot of uh, skills, but a guy who's actually a killer out here who's respected. So him and Sabonis, and then you add in Malik Monk, his former college teammate, who's one of the best uh, bench players in the NBA, has scored 40 multiple times in games as well too, uh, potent three-point shooter when, he's, when he lights it up. He's like – the second coming of J.R. Smith, but a lot more sober. So pretty much um, 
that's been a good fit for him. But then guys like Trey Lyles have been able to uh, show their potential in the NBA. He didn't do much when he was in Utah, and uh, I guess when he was in uh, Denver for a bit as well too. But he didn't show much when he was in those places, but he was always a good role player. Um also, um, the kid from USC, his name is kind of slipping my tongue right now, but he's been a, a very good player. And I just think that the Kings, all in all, you wait 16 years to get back into the playoffs and you're the team with the home court advantage, man, you ain't losing that first game. And then the way they won that second game was they psyched them out just like the championship teams do. Sabonis did kind of a blissly. Uh, I'm, you know what? Sabonis didn't grab his leg for more than a, a half a second, and he, and he wasn't intent about it either. The guy doesn't know where he's at. He's trying to get up. That's the whole thing. He, I don't think he was trying to stop Draymond. He was trying to figure out where his hand was at and how he could get up, and this big man is sitting over a top of him. And then Draymond, the way that he stomps on him, I don't care what anybody says. That is not right. I don't care what anybody says. I felt like the Sacramento Kings got punked right there when they let him get uh, get his chest stepped on because somebody should have ran off the court and punched Draymond. I'm sorry. That's a melee situation right now, right there with Draymond did. And everybody who defended Draymond is a POS, Mike. I don't care. They're just bitter because the Warriors aren't kicking the uh, Kings' butts like they expected them to. As I said the other night, the Kings are absolutely cooking the Warriors in every aspect of the game. Get over it. They're the better team. Get over it. They're the number three seed in the Western Conference. They just won the toughest division in basketball, the first ever division to put in five playoff teams. So why are you guys going to keep disrespecting them? They did things that were greater than the Warriors in one season. Yeah, the Warriors got championships. Good for them. But they won a tight race. You know what I mean, Mike? It's like they were in a race with uh, a big stakes race, and it was a blanket, and they finished four furlongs ahead of everybody at 40 to one, but they looked like a, a five, but they looked like a two to five. So that goes off the energy of their coach, and that goes off the frustration of their team and their fan base. So anybody defending the Warriors, that's just them meat riding. And I know these are just some very vague words I'm saying, but at the end of the day, the Kings are just playing better basketball than the Warriors. And people have to get over that fact. Don't make any excuses for the Warriors because nobody was making any excuses for the teams that they were beating up on over the last seven, over the last six out of uh, eight years. So, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to have to get your, get your medicine. And that's exactly what the Warriors are getting right now. And Draymond Green is a, a habitual line crosser. And he's the type of person that really does need to understand that he isn't Rodman. He isn't Oakley. He isn't Mason. He's a good leader, but at the end of the day, it wasn't about him necessarily stomping on the chest because his ankle got grabbed. It was the antics that he did in front of the commissioner to rile up the crowd. And I felt like leaders don't do that to their team. He pretty much made it to where the Warriors weren't going to win that game because he made such an ass of himself after the situation occurred. And I think that 
at the end of the day, the Warriors win or lose with this series, whenever they get put out the playoffs because they're not going to the finals, Draymond Green will no longer be on their roster. And all that Draymond to the Lakers uh, business, Jeannie don't want players like that on her team. And Jeannie does like a lot of people. But Jeannie ain't going for none of that. Because they tried to do this with Rob and they tried to do it with uh, Artest, and it didn't work. And Draymond isn't better than those two. So at the end of the day, I like I said to you, Mike, two, three weeks ago, whenever it was, when we talk about playoff predictions, Kings and six, and I'm sticking by it. It's that simple. And if the Kings win one here in San Francisco, it's Kings and five. Well, Draymond is out for game three. So this is the time for the Kings really to uh, kind of slay the dragon. You know what I mean? This is the time now to be able to, you know, really just put them away. You know, uh, these are these are five-game series, right? So the, the Warriors could be done today, tonight. No, it's, it's seven, Mike. Is it seven? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they could be done by Saturday. Simply yeah, but I don't put. see that happening. No, I think the Warriors, they're, they're too much of a championship team to go down like that. But I, I'm going to say that the Kings take this in five. All right, well. Reason the Kings I'm are saying, a really good road team, by the way. Yeah, and the, the Warriors Kings, can't. And Warriors can't win on the road. Yeah. So if the, it ends up being six because the 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 Warriors won their two at home, I wouldn't be surprised. You might be right about that. Right. But I think that the I think that the Kings will split in San Francisco. Well, the way that the media is talking and the way that everybody's so just frustrated, I got this feeling that it's going to be two really close games that. Are controversial that end with the Warriors winning the game because they really even with Draymond out as long as possible. Yep, because what, Mister Mister Single Single? You know what I mean? Like, all right, dude, we're gonna miss your seven points tonight. Like, yeah, but cares? he's more of an emotional leader, you know. Well, at the, at, well, hey, at the at today, is somebody else gonna have to step up and yell and scream in somebody's face? You know what I mean? They they got they got the players to win the game, and I think that Clay Thompson is going for at least thirty. Are better tonight. If you if if you're listening to me now, go and see how much Clay Thompson's point total is and play the over. Because Clay was really kind of unstoppable there in the last two minutes of the game. He hit three threes. He hit their last nine out of eleven points. So I think that he can take that into tonight's game because Clay. If anybody's frustrated on the Warriors, it's Clay. You know what I mean? And I think. Because they keep saying Clay's old, he's not what he used to be. Blase, blase. Splash Brothers ain't Splash Brothers no more. Watch him go off tonight, Mike. Just watch him go off tonight. That's that's what I'm feeling like is that he goes off tonight. Well, I don't I don't see how anybody could say the Splash Brothers aren't what they are anymore, what they were anymore, because they just won a championship, and so. Uh, but what I will say, though, is there is something different about this year's team because they all season long could not win on the road. And that's not the sign of a champion. You know, I, I know that people say in the NBA you could kind of turn it on in the playoffs. Well, they haven't. So now this is something that we could expect, which is them losing on the road. And I think the Kings sense that. And you brought up uh, head coach Brown. I think he deserves a lot of props. 
And I think he'll get these guys in the right frame of mind to not get complacent and to make sure to steal one in San Francisco. Uh, so we, we, we'll see how it goes. But that's kind of my my take on it. Pop, uh, what about some of the other series? What's what's compelling to you? Because some of these series are really good, and then some of these series are kind of like, ah, whatever. Like Celtics, you know, they're going to lay the wood to the Hawks. Um, this Heat and Bucks series, you know, probably depends a lot on Jonas's health. But if he's good, uh, it shouldn't be as close as it is right now. It's 1-1. One, one. The Sixers are rolling over the uh, Nets. That's not a big surprise. You had tweeted out about the Knicks, Cleveland and the New York Knicks. But really quickly, what are your thoughts about this series? Um, too close to call. You don't know who the winner of the series is really going to be. If you're a TV executive, you want the Knicks to win. If you're a diehard basketball fan that likes to be formful, you want the Cavs to win. Um, Cavs won last night. They uh, got the series up 1-1. Um, Knicks dominated game one. Cavs dominated game two. Now we got a road. The road team won their game. The home team won the next game. They got their split. Now we go to the garden, home court advantage to the Knicks. And then once again, and now we actually do, as you just said, Mike, we go ahead. Now we start a five-game series. You know what I mean? Now it's the best three out of five here. And I think that with New York having that advantage of having that game six at home, they could possibly win this series if they go ahead and they sweep out in New York. But I doubt that that's going to happen. I feel like it's going to be this. This series feels like they're going to be switching off every game, and then the winner takes all game seven. That's just how this series is lining up because both these teams are hungry, both these teams are gritty, and both these teams were probably the they're the greatest example of what middling teams look like. The top three teams in the uh, Eastern Conference have always been, you know, the group that you think of that's going to be in the conference semifinals. But when you think of the dark horses, it's in this New York-Cleveland series. So with the way that the Bucks are approaching this situation, having Giannis not 100%, it gives whoever wins this series a great opportunity to pull off an upset in the next round once they get to the Bucs because I don't really see the Bucs having trouble with the Heat. I think the Heat just had a really great game, and game one is because they were fresh out of a, a playing game that was a must-win situation. So sometimes you have a lot of energy going into the next game because you're, you're really excited. And uh, Milwaukee just was really flat in game one because as soon as Giannis went out, it wasn't like they didn't know what they were going to do. It's just that they hadn't gotten to a rhythm yet and they didn't have Giannis to make the impacts that he needed to do, you know, as you get through the game. So pretty much what happened was is that they just got outgunned. But what was fortunate for them was Tyler Hero broke his hand. So that takes away about 20% of their points right there with Tyler Hero getting hurt. So I think that it winds up being a very formful playoff, but this series right here will probably be the only one that really excites all of us. And I think that we just touched on both of the series that will be the most exciting series in basketball. And I know before we go to commercial, all I want to say is, is that the Western Conference side is an absolutely toss-em-up bracket. It don't even matter what your seed is, Mike. 
Seriously, it doesn't. It's just your team plays at home first. This team plays at home second. They don't have – we don't have any dominant underdog – uh, favorite type of situation, even though it seems like Wolves Nuggets is, is is not close, it's close because they're both in the same division. And then when you look at the fact that you got the Clippers and Suns playing in the first round and they look like two teams that should be playing in the Western Conference Finals, yeah, this is a really, really good playoff. So, you know, this is a really good side. So there's a lot of theater to it. And that's why the Warriors King series is so fun because it's really the definition of what they're really doing on the Western side of the hemisphere when it comes to the NBA. No doubt about that. Pop, let's take a quick commercial timeout. I do want to get your quick thoughts on the other side about the uh, Lakers series. It's another one of those really close ones that you mentioned. And, uh, and a quick take on the Suns and the clips and then we'll close out with some mlb talk and talk about max scherzer's ejection stay with us everyone we'll be back after a quick timeout voice america is on linkedin connect with us today tune in to the voice america variety channel on the voice america talk radio network Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, we're back with the Mike Abadir Show. And uh, I don't know if we have Mike here still with us, but... It's me, Bob DiBiase. I'm here. So um, as we wait for Mike to come back, because it looks like Mike is not with us at the moment, or he might his speaker might be uh, tripping. Mike, are you there? All right. Well, Lakers, Lakers, Lakers. The Lakers last night, I would say 
just try to get themselves through that game last night, to be honest. You know what I mean? The Lakers and Grizzlies are now tied up 1-1. Everybody, you know, they're going to make a bigger deal about the situation when the Lakers lose and they feel like the Lakers had some type of advantage in the game. Yeah, John Morant was out. Steven uh, Adams was out. Uh, Brandon Clark out. Adams and Clark are not even participating for the playoffs. But I think that pretty much what happens is, is that you have a team in the Grizzlies that are going to fight. And that's exactly what they did last night. And the Grizzlies are a type of team when they, when you're cocky and you talk a lot and you're just really like always, you know, f- figuring out ways to really piss off your uh, opponent. Then you know what? You're a team that's really close to being what you really want to be, but you're still figuring it out. And last night was a great example of them showing the Lakers that they do have a full unit. You know what I mean? It's just not about Ja Morant. They won six games in a row after they lost the first two without Morant. So you can't play that that card that they're going to just be stagnant without him. They know how to play without Ja Morant. Ja Morant, once again, is such a great player, but when you have a great team behind it, they become a great luxury for that team. So the Lakers had nothing to really game plan on because when you got Ja to game plan on, you can make sure you're taking care of all your other business on the other side. But they didn't know who they had the game plan for last night. And it wound up being Tillman who was the guy that was the difference in that game last night. So the Grizzlies put up a maximum effort last night and only scored 103 points without Ja. The Lakers, to me, are right on time on how they need to be. They gave 47 in the second half after giving up uh, 65 in game one. And then they came back in game two, and they only gave up 44 in the second half. So, I But, they but, gave- but Pop, wasn't that the opportunity for the Lakers to go for the kill? Dude, it's the playoffs. It's not supposed to be easy, Mike, and you know that. It happens, bro. And they're at home. The Grizzlies are playing. The Grizzlies aren't going to lay down for the Lakers. I don't know why everybody has this idea that teams want to lay down for the Lakers. It doesn't work like that. You know why? And because Charles seen, Barkley put Charles Barkley put that idea in a lot of people's heads. Did you Did yeah. you see when he said that he would have rather um, the Clippers lose their last game so that they could play against? Uh, against the uh, uh, Grizzlies because he thinks now the Lakers have the easiest path to get to the finals. And I think once he put the idea in people's heads and he was like, but they didn't lose and the Clippers wanted the Suns. So he put it in people's heads that the Clippers are going to beat the Suns and that the Lakers are going to go all the way to the finals. I'm not saying everybody's copying him, but he, he he had some logic to what he said. Now, obviously, Shaq and Kenny Smith totally disagreed with him. Ernie really disagreed with him. But nonetheless, I think that a lot of people just kind of assume Lakers, the brand of the Lakers and LeBron. But you, you're making a good point, man. It is the playoffs. And look, the Grizzlies had a really good record for a reason. You know, that reason isn't because they're a one-man team, right? Right, right. Exactly. They're not a one-man team. They play with a lot of, uh, you know, they play with a lot of, with a lot of uh, luster. And you know, this team is this team is well built. That's all I can say about Memphis. Is that Memphis took their time. Memphis made a lot of uh, 
crazy trades over the years, things like that. But they built this team up the right way, and they never were really missing the playoffs either. So they got a good coach. They got a good idea of what they're doing. The Lakers are, are – this is the toughest Western Conference playoff I've ever seen in my life, Mike. And like I, I said, getting out the first round, that's, that's huge in itself. The second round is an unpredictable situation. And the conference finals, forget about it. You don't know who's going to be representing the West in the finals. They just well, has it. Kevin Durant made it more predictable? Suns look pretty unstoppable with he's in the lineup, right? But I can't trust a team that's that's had a guy only play with them for eight games. It's, the, the NBA don't work like that. If if they have some type of chemistry going, if they play 30, 40 games together, it will be great. But you guys linking up in the playoffs, once they take somebody away or once Chris Paul does something that just messed the whole situation up, the Suns ain't going nowhere. I, I wouldn't trust anything with Chris Paul. So, you know, that's great to have KD, but at the end of the day, is KD going to be here for the whole ride? Is KD really healthy? Because KD has had two knee situations since he got to uh, Phoenix. So there is no easy ride for anybody because Phoenix might not even get out of this round against the Clippers. So, you know, I think everybody needs to dial it back on the Suns a little bit, dude. Um, And I wouldn't overlook the Nuggets. The Nuggets have been absolutely killers because the Wolves are much better than they they looked in those two games. The Wolves, honestly, at one point were the four seed, and they just kind of fell apart the last six weeks of the year. But that team right there is still a, a still a team that when they get their thing together, they may be the one seed next year. But I keep saying, stop overlooking Denver, Jokic, Murray, um, um, my boy Porter. Um. Uh, he's from the town to Gordon. Um, those yeah, they're a deep team. They're awesome. they're definitely a deep team. KCP. These players are these are ball players, Mike, and they got a coach, Mike Malone. He was with your uh, Sacramento Kings. They they didn't have enough patience with Coach Mike. You know, Demarcus Cousins wanted to quit the team when they fired that coach. So that's how good Coach was. So pretty much Denver has to get some respect. At some point, they are the first seed. Don't let Joy Taylor and all these talking heads fool you about these teams. They have their favorites. They have the teams that they like. They have the teams that push the needle on their TV shows. So that's who they're going to always pump up. But I watch the NBA for real. And I think that all in all, the Nuggets have been the best team in the Western Conference all season long. And there's really no – that can't even be questioned. You know what I mean? They're the most consistent team. What, because they had a bad last three weeks? Because they didn't want to get nobody hurt overplaying? They had already sealed the West. What, what do you need to overplay for? So I think that everybody just needs to understand that Denver is who the path goes through because they are the ones that have the full home court advantage. So we'll see how it goes, Mike, but – the Lakers are – the reason why I'm not worried about the Lakers are, are is, this, is this simple point, just like I talked about with the Knicks. The Lakers now have three home games to the one home game for Memphis. I trust the Lakers to win these next three home games here. That's the mentality. That's the mantra. It's okay. We won't have to end – we won't end this series as quick as they want us to because if the Lakers sweep, then it gives everybody this idea that the Lakers are going to be unbeatable. And I think the Lakers need to show everybody that 
what it really is. They are a team that is kind of vulnerable if you hit if you if you shut down all the right spots. And the Lakers' new thing is they got to have five guys in double figures or they don't win the game. And that's what happened last night. They only have four guys in double figures. So that's my two cents on that situation. And hopefully we can go ahead and get the right end results with the Lakers winning this series in six games. Let's shift gears for a quick moment while we have a couple of minutes left. Max Scherzer's situation. Max Scherzer had allegedly something on his glove in the third inning. Phil Cousy came out and inspected, gave him a warning. Then in the fourth inning, apparently, allegedly, he had something in there again. So he got ejected. He's been now uh, given a 10-game suspension. Uh, How does a veteran like that get caught? That's kind of what I want to know. Did you did you watch that episode? What do you think about it? Um, you know, Max Scherzer is just like the Draymond situation. He's he's kind of had some real dust ups with the uh, commissioners and things of that nature. So they're just kind of uh, picking on Max. That's all it is. But. They were they were very strong about substances, foreign substances and things like that on the pitcher. I know it is really messed up that it was Max Scherzer and everything like that, but it seems like every great pitcher that there that's in baseball that has this issue. And this ain't the first time that they seen Max with something on his fingers or on his hands. You know what I mean? I know. Because I remember when he's in Washington, they had some type of the same situation, but they cleared it up. So I'm not saying that he's a cheater or anything like that because pitching is tough. It doesn't matter if you have the rising on you on the ball and all that stuff. A guy can still hit the ball at the 400 feet. You know what I mean? If the pitch is right there. So I think that you need to still let the pitchers have their little tricks and trades that they have. You can't just make the pitcher be, uh, you know, don't take away the little fun of baseball. Because the thing is, pitchers still got to dominate and hitters still got to hit. You know what I mean? So we want to see the the fun parts of the game, the little the little tricks of the game and things like that. I don't really see it as cheating. I just see it as if you know how to work it right, then, you know, you're going to work it right. But if you're good at doing it, you're just good at doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it ain't cheating if you don't get caught kind of is the, is the mantra in right. baseball. Obviously, right. the uh, manager on the other side caught something, and that's why – it was uh, brought to uh, the umpire's attention. Uh, those guys on each bench are really, really shrewd, and there's some gamesmanship involved, and you know how it goes, man. But, Pop, lovely show. Always great to have you on, man. It's always a uh, pleasure talking sports with the man, Pop DiBiase. Check out Pop DiBiase on Twitter and select his picks because they are winning picks baseball and playoff basketball perfect time right now to check out pop dibiase anyways that's all the time we have for this week's show thank you to listeners thank you to voice america thank you to our sound guy josh and we will see you all same time same place next week enjoy your sports weekend everyone
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.